recording? Yeah, you can go ahead. Okay. And we don't need to edit this. I'm fine with embarrassing myself. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Scaling Edge. This is the Internet Talk program that focuses on the hard-won lessons of battle-hardened entrepreneurs here to share their value with you. I'm your host, Michael Brooks. Max is here. Surviving. Oh, yeah. Surviving and hammering through. Uh, we have Dan from IntelliKey. He helps leaders become world-class leaders, uh, and he is an expert in AI. Dan, can you tell us a little bit about IntelliKey and how you came up with that particular name? Sure. So I spent 40 plus years in business, but I've also spent 40 years in my own personal growth, development, and transportation. And I came across this word IntelliKey, and it came from Aristotle. And the idea is about transformation. So if you think of an acorn that becomes an oak tree or a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly, human beings are the only species on the planet where their existence precedes their essence. In other words, moment by moment, we get to decide by our actions who we're going to become. A chair is always a chair. An oak tree is always an oak tree, and a star is always a star. But a human being is born, and who it becomes over a lifetime is never set in stone at the moment of birth. It actually comes through the actions and decisions, our values and beliefs that create the life of who we become. Uh, Where did you learn that? Well, like I said, I've been doing this stuff for 40 years. I'm an English philosophy major. And so I'm actually schooled in Freud, Jung, Adler, attachment theory, humanism, uh, existential principles, and neuroscience. And I did all of that in my graduate work. And this is the work that I do with leaders. Is that at Harvard? I think I read you went to Harvard. I did some things at Harvard, but my master's degree I did here in Chicago at the uh, Wright Graduate University, which was a unique opportunity not only to learn theory, but everything was how I applied all of it to my own life. So if we look at the oracle of know thyself or Socrates, a life unexamined is a life not worth living. I have spent a good part of my life examining who I am what my values are, what I'm a stand for, what's a red line for me, and have done a lot of work to, I think, emerge to become the best version of me. What's a red line for you? Deceit. Deceit is one thing that is just intolerable to me. Um, treating people poorly is something I would call people out on. It's There's nothing wrong with being kind. There's nothing wrong with being sovereign. But there is definitely something wrong with lying, cheating, stealing, taking advantage of others. That's a red line for me. So you've never been married. Actually, 28 <laughs> years, but thank you very much. And three kids later. Uh, I'm just kidding. We won't go into that. <laughs> just, trying to, just trying to bring a smile into the show. It's intense. This is intense stuff that you're talking about, man. You know, it's 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 very heavy. People are human beings. Uh, a, a a chair will never be anything more than a chair, but but people are flawed, and they're. I mean, you're you're talking about really interesting existential principles, 
and and you're you're using that in a way to help shape uh, world class leaders, and I'm very interested in it. So, um, with uh, how, can you what 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 advice would you share of the 40 years worth of work that you've done and all this great education? If you were going to share one piece of value or two pieces of value, what what should people, businesses, entrepreneurs, human beings be thinking about? to help them become world-class leaders, even if it's just leaders in their own life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So my whole work is for you to be able to architect the spectacular life of your desire. So we have to really start at the beginning. So when we're born, we are what's called sentient beings. We come in sensing and feeling. So we sense mom around us. Does mom, when we're cooing, we're smiling, is mom reflecting back to us? Or is she on the phone yelling at dad and the, the doorbell's ringing and I'm not seen at all, right? We get a sense of that. Zero to 10, we grow up in a societal game that actually enslaves who we really are. So we get mom, family value. We get early education for conformity. We have spiritual principles we learn. We have societal norms that we're conditioned into, institutional and political. All of that stuff gets downloaded into us. We have no analytic mind to decide if that really matters to us. Is that the moral code we want to live by? Are these values, beliefs, and ways of acting? So, so wait, wait, wait. So, so all those... You said societal forms enslave us from being who we really are. Yeah. Well, none are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. But how 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 is that enslaving to us? Right? Like and, and let me rephrase that. Who are we? Like if 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 there are no societal norms to follow, then how are we any different than if there were no societal norms? Wouldn't we be I know, I, I know Max would be killing his neighbors and, 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 and slaughtering people down the street and it would just be anarchy. Like, how, how is that enslaving us? And, and who are we really? Are we really supposed to be in touch with that? Or is okay. this a good thing? Is this more of a, a, a healthy thing than, a, than an enslaving thing? It's not, it's not healthy. And let's get to some nuances. So you grow up in a family. Dad happens on Friday night to stop at the bar, and he's a pretty mean drunk. And by the time he gets home, there's a lot of yelling and upset. Maybe some things are being thrown around the house. Anyway, it's a pretty unsafe place for Michael, who's six years old. Yeah. So what mom says is, Michael, I'm going to feed you, and then I want you to go to your room, and I want you to stay there until Saturday morning. So dad will be coming home. Dad and I are going to spend some time together, but you stay in your room till Saturday morning. This is a very brilliant strategy to protect six-year-old Michael. But what Michael learns out of that maybe is the world's not safe. Men aren't safe. My way of surviving is to be invisible. It's not to have a voice. It's not to be seen. And that's the enslavement. That's the enslavement. Unconsciously, you had no choice in that matter. 
So now you go in and you're working in a company and you're the CFO and you are really good as a CFO. But your CEO comes to you and says, Michael, I know your work is really good, but if you're going to work in the C-suite, we need you to be more front and center. You're my business partner. You're my strategy partner. And I see you hiding in the back of the room. Our team needs your input because quite honestly, of the team, you seem to have the best ideas. Why aren't you doing that? Because you're still living in a world where the world's unsafe where it's better for me not to be seen than to be seen, and I will be safer. This is all unconscious patterning. We live in a world, so Michael, we don't have a lot of money. God has given us what we're supposed to have. No, you can't have a new pair of Nikes. By the way, people with money are bad. People with money are unethical. People with money are bullies. People with money don't value others. Now, Michael, you're 21 and you've just graduated. Please go out and be a huge success out in the world. So I don't know if you've ever met any guys who go out and they make a lot of money and then they lose a lot of money and then they make a lot of money and then Every they lose Every time I look money. in the mirror. Okay. <laughs> Guess what? They're living in an unconscious past. So when we integrate in these principles of behavior and we now bring the unconscious into a conscious awareness in the present moment, we're able to decide money is good. Money's freedom. Money gives me the opportunity to donate to charities and give to things that I have feelings for. Money does a lot of great things. It gives my kids opportunities to travel, to learn, to meet others. Well, if that's my view of the world, that's very different than Money doesn't come easily. Money's bad. We live in scarcity, blah, 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 blah. Both of those are realities. In many cases, they've been downloaded into it. I call them viruses. All right. We so how do we get viruses. rid of these mental viruses? Right. Because uh, there's it, there's probably all kinds. There right? are. There's, there are all kinds of mental viruses. How, how do we uproot these and, and delete them from our our operating systems of our imaginations. Yeah, well, the way to that I've experienced to best do that is to understand what did I, these stories that I'm telling you are stories of people that I've worked with and I have my own stories. And in those stories, so tell me three of your earliest experience. Tell me mom's favorite and dad's favorite. Tell me, where you are in your birth order, tell me what can you expect from the world and what can the world expect from you? You want me to and tell you this right now? No, those are the, no, those are the questions. Oh, we're we're the real session. I was kind of excited, but oh. okay, let's go. Okay. Right. Lay down in your chair. Right. I'll give you, right. I'll, well, I'll give you an example. Three of my earliest experience. <laughs> so this person tells me that she's dad's favorite. That's cool. Cause dad's actually, are highly responsible for bringing self-esteem into the life of little girls. So tell me, what did you and dad do? Well, I went in the library and I, on, on Saturdays, I spent three hours with him. That's amazing. Tell me more. Well, we never talked. I just sat there. Really? But you're dad's favorite. Does that tell you something about a relationship between a man and a woman? <laughs> 
So, uh, okay, give me another experience. Well, when I was little and I was sitting in my high chair, mom used to give me all these peas and I hated them. And I couldn't leave my chair until I ate the damn peas. So what did that, what did you think that says? I don't matter. What I want doesn't matter. Okay, tell me another experience. Well, my brother, when he was 26, almost died. This woman ends up going to, I go, where'd you go to school? I went to school in Boston. That's code for I went to Harvard and I'm too embarrassed to tell you. Okay. Why aren't you telling me you went to Harvard? Because I already know. Why do I, why is this like feel so much like a psychiatric couch? Like this is, this is, this feels like intensive, deep psychiatric work. Well, I'm not a psychiatrist, so I wouldn't know about that. I'm not schooled in that. You fooled me. You could have fooled me. What I'm schooled in. Why aren't you telling me that you're a psychiatrist? (laughs) No, no, this is, this is deep psychological. So you've identified these patterns in people. Yeah. And yeah. then how are you working to reshape their minds to get to pull this out, clean that off, and then get them performing with the life that they want so that yes. they can be free? Part of it is to understand the background and then to decide that I want new outcomes. So, for example, if people don't want to help me, one of the things that I don't do is I don't ask for help. So one of the exercises for the week, Michael, will be you're going to ask for things at least 30 times a day. Will you open the door for me? Can you sharpen a pencil for me? Would you get me a glass of water? I'm running behind on a project. Could you give me 15 minutes? And by this new behavior, we set, you'll get an, uh, sure, I'll do that for you 90% of the time. And so that pattern of people don't want to help me, they wouldn't if I and asked. Them. It sounds like you haven't been married. <laughs> Maybe I should start asking for money. I don't know. I've been married you're for giving Max terrible years, ideas here. <laughs> no, so you're saying if somebody has an aversion to something, you take steps to to do things that oppose that aversion. Is that yeah. what I'm hearing from what you're saying? And yeah. so that's how you co you find the aversion, you identify the aversion, and then you set goals to say, okay, here's a stretch. Here's a tough thing for you to do. You've got to go and take these steps to, to that, that you normally wouldn't do, but you're going to get a result there. And then you're going to learn not to be afraid to ask for things. Yeah. You're a CEO. You're a so CEO. Somebody, so go ahead, you, sorry. So you're a CEO and you find it difficult confronting members of your team and having difficult conversations. The result of that is your team doesn't trust you. The result is it creates more of a toxic culture. The result is that sales and marketing now can be at each other's throats because they all realize you're not gonna step in and create the environment. So what we would do is we would start not going to your team right away, but working with someone like myself or someone on the team, and we would start to practice having difficult conversations. And we'd elevate up the risk of that. And eventually, you'd get together with a team and you would feel a lot more comfortable and be able to start to have the conversations that need to be had, right? So each person is kind of different depending on what it is. Some of some really successful people feel they have imposter syndrome. 
I don't know why they got to this incredible level. They must have done something. I've heard that. I think it's kind of bogus. You know, it's kind of like a humble brag. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm just such an imposter for, I don't feel like I deserve to be as great as I am. You know, it, it just seems to me, I see a lot of that. Maybe I'm old school, right? Maybe this is my own deep rooted psychological stuff, but some of it just seems a little phony baloney, right? I've heard people say the imposter syndrome stuff and it's like, no, nah, man, you worked hard and you did well. Like, like this well, is, they're, they're so the using F- it almost as a crutch, but it's also as a way of, of accepting some type of praise uh, for doing something they sh- like, but just like, it's, it seems like a humble brag to a degree. Maybe I'm wrong. And if that's it, what it is for you, that it's not wrong. It's just what oh. it is. Okay. Yeah. So what people, what you're saying is people can do right now is identify where they're having challenges, what, what's keeping them, where they're, where they're struggling and set goals, set, uh, I don't even want to say goals, but little practices to help work them out of that and to help find and get to different results. So can you tell me a little bit about somebody you've worked with that you've done this for, where they've had a start and a finish and any metrics that was starting and where the metrics finished? Yeah, I don't sort of do like numerical metrics. What I can tell you is um, I worked with a lady and one of her big issues is she's a people pleaser and Mm. she'll say yes to everything. And she's way too nice. She doesn't get paid what she ought to have been paid. And she doesn't have a life balance that she wanted. Mm. So I worked with her to come up with like the perfect employee to me. Just don't get paid that well. Say yes to everything and make sure I'm happy. Yeah, I love this person. I hope yeah. you did not fix this one. And I would like to hire her today. I'm just well, kidding, but, obviously. But please continue. Make it yeah, so well, for, she has her own business. And I'm working. And so one of the things I asked her is, what's your kryptonite? She goes, what? I go, what's your kryptonite? It's that you're too kind. And that you will put others ahead of you, which doesn't allow you to actually give the best of what you have, because you're burned out all the time. You're tired all the time. You're not you're not sitting and evaluating what could work best in terms for you that creates the biggest impact out in the world. You should see how her business is running now versus how it used to run. Right. So well, that's it, a metrics. How's it running now versus how it used to run? It's well, she has a lot more time. She charges a lot more money and she's taking on the projects that she really wants because what underneath all of that was scarcity. How hmm. am I going to pay the mortgage? I won't have enough money for this. Right. So the world is a place where I live in scarcity. That's not where I live in trust. And if I'm trusting that I can manifest the world that I want, I have a whole different way of working in the world. And so that's why these questions that I ask tell me, you know, how how things really are working. One of the things for guys is if you talk to really successful men, they're excellent at striving. Now, add in, tell me about your striving to what purpose? 
That's a whole different lack of a conversation. I don't know. I'm striving for the approval of dad. I'm striving for the approval of society. I'm striving for the approval of expectation of others. And they haven't really sat down and decided who am I and what would best serve me. That's the game. What would best serve you to have the spectacular life you want? Well, Dan, I appreciate your insight. I appreciate you being on the scaling edge. If people want to find you and they find that that maybe these questions could help them break a little bit more free and and become more, maybe break entirely free and, and, and become world class, how do they get a hold of you? How do they how do they find out how to connect with you? Yeah, the best would be to find me on LinkedIn. So my name is spelled up on the little profile there. Or they can contact me direct at dan at IntelliKey, which is E-N-T-E-L-E-C-H-Y dot A-I. And would be happy to experiment and have a conversation and see if there's some way we could work together. I love it. Amazing. Dan, thank you for being a part of the program. We will throw those links in our show notes. Thank you for being on the Scaling Edge. We appreciate it. Cheers. Hey, thank you. Have a great day.